0: Hello, this is episode 294 and in it, I'm continuing my conversation with Jeremy Spencer, builder, thermal performance assessor and co-owner at Positive Footprints. Now, this is part two of my conversation with Jeremy. So if you haven't listened to part one, make sure you head back to episode 293. You can have a listen to it there or you can download the free PDF transcript. You'll be able to find all of that at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 293. In this episode, Jeremy will take us through in amazing detail what you need to understand and work with in order to achieve the seven-star whole-of-home house rating. He literally steps us through it and he shares an incredible wealth of information that's going to be super helpful for you and so empowering. I just love I love what he does in this episode. We also discuss how NCC 2022 upgrades can be best achieved when you're working with your professional team and how this may change from what's been done in the past. It's going to be really important that you have your team working together in the right way uh, so that you can achieve compliance in the most simple and streamlined way in your project. Jeremy also goes through the risk for builders and as a builder himself, he's really across this. You know, builders ultimately you're then responsible for ensuring that this gets built in a compliant way and you know that you don't make problems for yourselves and your clients through your lack of knowledge or poor execution so Jeremy talks more about this in this episode as well now remember if you'd like to grab a full transcript of this episode and I've got information and a whole heap of links that are going to be super helpful for you you can find all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 294 that's the numbers 294 now in this episode you will hear Jeremy talk you through imagining a pie chart that's made up of various components. Uh, He explains it you know in detail in this episode but I've actually got a visual that he's shared with me of the pie chart and uh, so if you want to actually see that you can go to that link undercoverarchitect.com forward slash 294 it's there and it's also in the transcript as well so you can check that out. Now let's dive in. I begin by acknowledging the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and I recognise the continuing connection to lands, waters, skies and communities. I pay my respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to Elders both past and present. If we haven't met before, I'm Amelia Lee. Based in Northern New South Wales, Australia, I'm a wife, mum and architect and I've worked in the architectural industry for over 27 years now. Having worked on over 250 projects, mainly residential family homes, as well as significantly renovating three homes of my own with my hubby, whilst our three kids were babies, toddlers and even older, I have a personal and professional understanding of the joy, challenges, stresses and excitement of making your family home a reality. In mid-2014, I started Undercover Architect and it's an online business to help and teach homeowners like you how to get it right when designing, building and renovating your family home. Undercover Architect is all about giving you access to the industry knowledge and insights you need to avoid the mistakes and dramas that can cost you thousands, tens of thousands and even hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it's about levelling the playing field so that the world of renovating and building doesn't seem so mysterious. And you can be the active driver in your project, navigating it with know-how and confidence. Undercover Architect helps and teaches homeowners through this podcast, the website, and our online courses and programs, including my flagship program, Home Method. I truly believe that when you know the questions to ask, the steps to take, and the best way to create a home that works, feels great, and that you feel great in, you can enjoy the process of building and renovating, as well as the home that you move into at the end of this ambitious journey. Consider Undercover Architect your secret ally, whoever you're working with, and whatever your location, your budget, or your dreams. Grab access to my free online workshop, Your Project Plan, and learn super helpful information to save time, money, and stress in your Renault or new build. You can find it at undercoverarchitect.com forward slash project plan. That's P R O J E C T P L A N. Now, let's get on to the episode. Let me just quickly introduce you to Jeremy Spencer again. Now, Jeremy is a longtime builder, a thermal performance assessor and co-director with his wife, Chi Lu, at design and building company Positive Footprints. And Positive Footprints is a multi-award winning construction company dedicated to making high-performance sustainable homes and renovations easy to achieve and affordable. As an educator and in his many roles in industry organisations such as Design Matters and the Sustainable Builders Alliance, he is passionate about making low-carbon sustainable housing a mainstream reality in the residential sector. So let's jump into my conversation with Jeremy now and we kick off right where we left part one which was uh, Jeremy uh, starts to explain what you actually need to know about achieving the whole of home house rating and all of the componentry of it, what it's actually going to mean for your project
1: so the first uh the first thing maybe maybe i'll get you to visualize uh visualize this so we visualized a circle before which we divide into three bits heating and cooling is in the first third hot water and then appliances like i said it does vary a little bit state to state but this will put you in the right ballpark now a six-star home a six-star home uh of limits your heating and cooling that, that, that third of the, of the pie there, if you like, limits it by about half. So cuts that wedge in, in half. That's if you design it to six stars and you build it to six stars. And that's simply because nature is doing the heavy lifting for you and providing your heating and cooling with a good design. Notice too, that I said, you build it to six stars. Yeah. Yeah. Now, seven stars, if you design, you build a seven stars, it's it's taking off almost two thirds of that, that wedge. So you've got a little bit of uh, heating and cooling still to go. So uh, my first uh, point that I'd like to get across is you don't necessarily need to get to 10 stars to get a net zero home. Don't worry, seven stars is adequate with the technology and the, the price points of the technology that we have today. So if you get to seven stars, fantastic. If you get to eight stars or nine stars or 10 stars, it'll be all that much easier for you. And no doubt, you'll probably have a nicer experience inside the house, but don't stress if you just get to seven is my point here. Now, the next thing that you that you want to do, once you get you've got your seven star home, you're choosing your heating and cooling. And if you go back and listen to what I uh, said on my first time that I was was on this show, um, I spoke about heat pumps and reverse cycle air conditioner is a type of heat pump. Uh, We sometimes call them split systems. They've got the indoor head unit and an outdoor motor, extremely efficient at what they do. In fact, uh, as I explained there, they're more than 100 percent efficient. And uh, some of them go up to four, five, or six hundred. The best uh, are pushing six hundred percent efficient. And as I said, then it sounds like I'm some sort of salesman for <laughs> uh, for air cons here. And it's uh, ma- magic air, yeah, <laughs> it's ma- yeah magic. <laughs> they're not actually making heating or cooling; they're just shifting it. There's another word that you sometimes hear associated with, associated with these heat shifters, and. They 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 have a, a loop of refrigerant that they pump around from the inside to the outside, and it might take say a kilowatt hour of energy to pump this refrigerant around. But as it goes outside, it grabs heat if, if it's in heating mode and brings it inside, and goes outside again, grabs heat and brings it inside. It's like someone sticking their hand outside with a big sponge and sort of soaking up the heat and coming inside and squeezing it out. And uh, in in running for an hour, it might use a kilowatt hour of energy, but can transport three kilowatts, four kilowatts, five kilowatt hours of heat. Uh, So effectively can be very efficient what they do. Now, assuming uh, that you put on uh, reverse cycle air conditioners and uh, if you've designed your house, well, you probably don't need all that many in the house. It's actually the cheapest form of, uh, if you want heating and cooling together, it's probably the cheapest way to do it, depending on how many split systems you end up putting in. Assuming you do that, you can get, that that wedge of heating and cooling will be just about gone. There'll be just a you know a little a little slither of it left, maybe a sixth, a sixth of that one wedge. Okay, you've done about as much as you can do there. Uh, the next wedge we're looking at um, hot water. Hot water is the next wedge. Two technologies to think about here. One is to realize that fifty percent of your hot water goes through your shower head. So it makes sense to get a water efficient shower head. Now this is outside of the uh, of the whole whole of home scheme. They don't even consider shower heads. So uh, this will actually put you a bit above your rating if you put on a, a water efficient shower head, because that's not only going to save water, it's going to save hot water uh, uh, as well. And it's is the software it,
0: sophisticated it, enough to recognize that even though it's not part, like how does that coming to get taken no to it account. doesn't
1: at all the software okay. doesn't take it into account at all but the reason that i that i bring it up is you might have some builders and some designers listening and this gives you some headroom in fact um because of course this is just a simulation but simulations meet reality and sometimes in reality conditions are outside parameters and and or people aren't running their homes like the software assumed that they would this gives a, a little bit of wiggle room because you're a little bit more efficient and uh, it's just a nice idea. It's also one of the one of the things you can put in your house that pays itself off really, really quickly. In fact, the most of all the uh, sustainable things you put in your house or your energy efficient things you put in your house, this is the best. So I would suggest get a good one. Get a good one. Don't don't go skimpy on your shower head. You will regret it and you will end up deciding you want to get one of those rain showers to just drench yourself (laughs) because you're sick of being cold under the shower
0: running around under a spray yeah Yeah,
1: so so get a good quality one you'll you'll have no trouble uh or or, you know two or three however many showers you have in your home (laughs) uh the second the the second technology well the second group of technologies is what you use to make your hot water and there's two things there one is solar hot water still fantastic three quarters of your hot water will be made from the sun on a good uh, a good quality solar hot water throughout the year or a uh a, again a heat pump hot water system so again using heat pump technology the the best of those again they um I, I I spoke last time about a coefficient of performance. A coefficient of performance. The the best ones have a coefficient of performance of around about four, and that is that idea that they run and they use one kilowatt hour of energy, and transport four kilowatt hours of heat. That's a coefficient of performance of four. So once again, you can make a, a lot of hot water with only a fraction of the power normal, uh, th- because the 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 average home, if you like, is typically using gas or they're using resistance hot water to, to make their hot water. So um, what do you if, mean by resistance? Resistance hot water is where you just got a, a tank of water with an element inside it that gets hot. It's usually a coil or a loop and it just gets hot and it heats up the water. Those systems can only ever be 100% efficient. So uh, a resi- resistance hot water puts one uh, puts one kilowatt hour of energy in and it heats up the water one kilowatt hour of heat. One, it's one to one. Whereas the heat pumps for one kilowatt hour in, you're heating up the water four kilowatt hours of heat. So it's sort of this one to four ratio. That's its coefficient of performance. So if you get uh, either a good uh, an energy efficient heat pump or solar hot water, and combine that with a water efficient shower head, once again you really fractionalize down that 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 third wedge. You probably knock that into uh, at least a third or maybe even quarter, um, depending on what you get. Now the last section. The last section is is general appliances, and we've got lighting and cooking that we that we stick in there as well. Cooking, you can make a bit of a, a, a bit of a saving if you go induction cooking. And for those uh, those are my clients who want to go all electric. This is the pathway that they tend to take. Uh, often the cooking is the last electric appliance in the house once you've sort of taken this pathway of using these heat pumps. And as soon as you put that on, that that induction cooktop, you can effectively get rid of the gas meter and you save yourself a dollar a day connection charge for the rest of your life. It's a nice feeling. Uh, but the induction cooktop itself uh, is around about 55% more efficient than a gas cooktop. Cause with gas, a lot of the gas just goes around the sides of the, the wok or the pan as you're as you're cooking. So that gives you a little bit of a saving. With lighting, LEDs, I mean, everyone does LEDs for new homes anyway, uh, try and keep dependent lights if you can. Pendant lights compared to down lights, typically one pendant light will replace four down lights or so because they just spread the light more efficiently. Uh, the other nice thing about that is when you're looking at build quality and and uh, and maintaining your seven-star rating that you've just got, um, part of that rating assumes a certain air tightness of the fabric of the house. And every time with standard construction, at least every time you cut holes in the plaster, you're going to be reducing or or allowing a little bit more air infiltration and lowering the performance of the house. So if you can minimize downlights, that's a good move. So that's lighting. Uh, And the last one is really up to the clients. In the software, you can't input anything for general appliance. This is for general appliance use, this is the last thing. Uh, it, it will just call up whatever it calls up but so that's again, like your fridge
0: and your tv and those kinds of things correct is
1: it? fridge tv um your your game boy your phone charges whatever you um you put in your home over time and they tend to add up just things sticking in the wall just uh, some of them just sit there doing nothing sucking up a little bit of standby load <laughs> <laughs> if you actually if, if you're building a new home often you're also going to be replacing at least some appliances while you do that and as the this is normally the owner gets to do this rather than the builder or the designer but your people listening are often owner builders you can actually make a big impact on that last third of the pie by choosing things with higher stars doesn't have to be the highest star just higher stars each star by the way on on your major sort of white goods and tvs each star saves around about $50 operating expense every year on the star wow. below it. Yeah. And some of this can last, you know, 10 years quite easily. So, you know, just factor that in when you're looking at the, at the prices um, of, uh, of the different appliances out in the store. But yeah, if you choose, you know, one or two stars from the top, you'll be better than average and once again it's not going to reflect unfortunately in the rating but in your real life lived experience of living in the home again gives you that headroom and uh you know for when a whole lot of guests come over or or you know or the clouds uh cover the sun for three weeks for some reason you know you've got a little bit more headroom than the than the rating might suggest now you do all that and that's going to minimize the energy in that last wedge and so you've really just gone around you haven't lost any function doing this you've got exactly the same function you're all you're giving up is just um the cost because you don't need as much power right so you're giving up paying money to someone else that's a nice feeling and you're giving up the, the carbon dioxide that comes with paying that money to somebody the the last step if you want to go uh carbon neutral or go um yeah net zero let's call it net zero is to put on photovoltaics. And if you take this approach, um, what you'll find is that somewhere around, uh, somewhere between five kilowatts and seven kilowatts for most families will be a break even point uh, for you. That is you're producing as much power over the year as you are using, as you're drawing from the grid, you're putting the same amount back into the grid. So it's it's a net zero balance. Now it might not quite be a net zero balance financially, because drawing power from the grid um, costs you 30 cents or whatever it is. Putting it back costs, uh, gives you six cents or eight cents or whatever they, uh, they deem <laughs> you're worthy of. <laughs> so if you just get to a net zero carbon balance, you're probably not gonna be quite at a net zero cost balance. You probably need to put on a bit, uh, a bit more if you wanna get there. And in fact, the, the net zero on the software is a net zero money balance in fact. So um, if you do get to net zero by the software, not only you'll be producing a lot more power than you use, and and um, your carbon balance will be, you know, you, you'll be putting out more uh, electricity than you're taking in, and so effectively you're you're probably taking carbon out of the air of what what would have been there. So so what i well, I guess what I'm saying if you make if you make the net zero under the software, you'll be producing more power definitely uh, than you need um, to get there. So that's, uh, yeah, that's how you do it. And if you follow that, I, I don't think that sounded particularly hard. I'm not sure if anyone at home thinks it was hard, but I've, I've done it many times. And the great thing about the software is that, uh, look, I'm in, I'm in Victoria and it is slightly climate uh, applicable because of the way that um, climate interferes, well, not interferes, has an effect on the energy for heating and cooling that you need in a home. So the great thing is that the software Puts your house in its climate zone and works it out properly, you know, and uh, with a little bit of scientific rigor, rigor and a lot of background uh, calculations going on. So, but do that's you, just you, my my experience. That five to seven kilowatts.
0: Yeah, Now that's. Do you see that um, suppliers of hot water units and air conditioning systems might get to the point where they actually get cotton onto the fact that hey, we could actually just market this as going to be thirty percent more efficient, like, will it work like that, that they can, they can actually say, well, this is what the benchmark appliance is. And we know that in this climate, this, this unit here mm-hmm. will be, will get you your 30% or it'll get you your 20%. So I specify this, you know, do you think that suppliers will kind of cotton onto that sort of, that math so. equation I of I hope it? so.
1: So in, in the software, um, so in the when I keep saying in the software, I'm, I'm looking at the new whole of home accurate software. Only the Accurate software is out. The other ones are still coming out. Um, and for the listener at home, there are four different software. They all use the Accurate engine. They just have different front ends on them. Uh, and they're at the moment in the process of accreditation under whole of home. Hopefully due out by September. It's coming into some states in October, so they better get it. Uh, they're cutting get it the on
0: line, aren't they? Yeah, They're cutting, cutting it- the line. <laughs>
1: Um, But uh, when I look at at my Accurate software and what it shows me on the screen, I can simulate and I can run a a run with, say, a cheap resistance hot water versus a more expensive heat pump hot water. And the heat pump hot water might be $2,000 more to buy, but I can run it. And the the last time I ran it uh, in in a project, I could see that there was a $500 operating difference every year between them so that's the sort of information i can go back to the client with and say well look you know it's two thousand more up front but it's 500 saving every year do you want to do it or do you not want to do it and there's no reason why suppliers can't get that information and uh, you know market it uh, in in that way the the other thing um, i don't know if you want to get onto how this is going to change the industry but what it means is that there's more information that assessors can potentially give clients here too. Uh, if they come in earlier on in the piece, as I often argue they should, uh, they can let clients know then say, well what are you planning to use for your uh, you know your hot water and your heating and cooling and the appliances can say, I'm planning to use this and this, and they could do a rating and, before you know it, in fact, those assessors are gonna see so many different appliances, they, they, they will have the, the wherewithal to say, well, you might wanna try this one or you might wanna try that one. Uh, and that's pretty useful you know, useful knowledge uh, early on in the piece. Uh, the other thing that, uh, that assessors should be able to do is to let you know, and you should always ask them this, how much photovoltaics do I need to get to a net zero outcome? And there's no reason why assessors couldn't run a simulation and just confirm that for you. So that's a pretty useful bit of information too.
0: Fantastic. Well, let's dive into that whole process of how how clients and how professionals are going to get the best outcome with the way that they now work. So in terms of how it might how it might change the way the work practice of um, professionals and also of the creation of teams and also how homeowners generally think about who they're going to pull together in their projects because I mean in Undercover Architect I've been teaching for some time that having an energy assessor as part of your design team enables you to make data-driven decisions about all of these things from an energy efficiency point of view from your star rating that then preempts a bunch of problems that a lot of people encounter when they leave their energy assessment till their building approval stage. So in terms of the best way to sort of create that team, utilize that team, and how to put that team together, and then also I think to understanding how much, as part of this, I think orientation is going to play into Seven Star. A lot of a lot of the start, the news out there has been: look, Seven Stars is just going to be significantly more expensive. I know that there's been you've done a lot of demonstration of. You know, whether that's true or not, we've seen Sustainability Victoria have done a whole series of case studies on what it means, you know, in terms of the different types of house types and orientation and that kind of stuff. So just tell what homeowners need to be aware of in terms of how they structure their teams and then how they go about their design so that seven stars is straightforward. It's not going to be a massive hurdle for them to overcome and a lot of extra expense.
1: Okay. Easy one to answer, hey? (laughs) (laughs) The industry as a whole is quite scared at the moment. They're not scared about whole of home. They're scared about seven stars. They're scared about seven stars because um, seven stars is not like six stars. I'm not saying it's hard, but to get to six stars, a designer could pretty much do any design that they wanted. If it didn't get to six stars, they give to a thermal performance assessor right at the very end of the process. The assessor at that stage, if it's not already at six stars, they will just put in as much insulation as can fit into the cavities. Uh, if it doesn't get to six stars, then they'll start going around double glazing windows and they'll double glaze enough windows until it gets to six stars and then they will stamp it and give it back and everyone's happy. Not necessarily- Except the client who get... all of a sudden has yeah, a bill for- Yeah, that's for right. yeah. I was dollars, to say, yeah. not necessarily a cheap way to <laughs> get to six stars. <laughs> um, but that approach- uh, is not necessarily always going to work if, if you've got a home that's struggling to get to six stars now and it's already double glazed then the thermal performance assessor is, is out of options at that stage so first of all what do designers need to do? what a, a, a homeowner who's trying to put together their design team should do two things one they should go to a designer who understands passive solar design. Now, this is probably a really hard thing to get their head to, to, to actually determine other than to talk to them, other than to maybe look at their website and their Instagram page and see what they're talking about. Um, because if you already understand passive solar design, seven stars is not hard. I have, um, in fact, uh, we've got our, our carbon zero series, which we spoke about last time. But since then, I, uh, I tested one with putting a four-story high wall all along the northern boundary. This is a normal suburban block. Imagine a a house with a four-story high wall all the way along. It dropped from uh, eight stars down to 7.1 stars, right? So uh, that's a big difference, right? Yeah. But it's still within. It's still performing, yeah. Still performing, right? And that's mainly because I didn't go overboard with windows, and windows are the weakest point in the thermal fabric. Because at night time there's no nice sunlight coming in. It's normally just cold outside, or at least in my neck of the woods, and so you lose a lot of uh, energy through your windows, even if they're double glazed. So, but but that was really just to show that that I, I oh I I then actually took that house and stuck it at Threadbow. I stuck at the thread bow with the four meter high wall, <laughs> and it actually went it, it actually went down to six point nine, I think, at that stage, and then I just tweaked a few a few of the windows and it went back to seven point one. So, um, that was about the worst case scenario that I that I could think of. Now, so I, I guess my point is, if you know what you're doing, seven stars for the vast majority of sites is not going to be any any issue at all. If you're a designer listening to this, um, I would suggest that you just check out your home or um, I've recently been working with Design Matters in the South Australian government and the uh, we have a Net Zero Builders, we're calling the Net Zero Builders course, but the first um, module of that is all about high performance design and how to you know how to ace seven stars so it's that's check it out that's free i'll maybe give a link to um to you amelia you can stick it on the website resources yep so anyway if you're a designer just get your head just get your head around that in fact if you're an owner um watch that too and then you'll know what to ask ask designers that's one thing now if you know passive design. All your designs will start around seven stars just when you give them to a thermal performance assessor in, in that ballpark. If you want to get eight, nine, or 10 stars, there's one thing that you need to do. Now, I, I can tell you what it is, and I can tell you, listener out there, what it is, but you have to promise me one thing. You have to promise that you will tell everyone. You will tell everyone. <laughs> Love it. (laughs) Uh, and, and, And it's this, just, yes, exactly what Amelia said. Get the thermal performance assessor in at design concept stage. As soon as you have a design that you quite like, the designer thinks it's going to perform well, get the assessor in. They will give it a rating. Now, this does mean you're going to need to do two ratings. You need to do one at design concept stage, and then you're still going to need to do the final certification check because no doubt slight things will have changed between your design concept and the final but really it's 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 fantastic money <laughs> you know it's really the it's going to save you a lot of money is what I, I guess i'm trying to trying to say over time and just having a nicer lived experience uh in the home uh and you can and like i said before you can ask them about the the how much solar panels do i need to go net zero well that might have an effect on design and how much roof space uh, you you work out uh, with your designer so yeah get that done up front and uh the reason i the reason i'm quite confident that that has a huge impact on the design is last year at design matters we ran the true zero carbon challenge and the true zero carbon challenge was a challenge where we paired up thermal performance assessors and designers to create a home that was as energy efficient as they could make it and then we also include embodied carbon in that, minimize the embodied carbon. And the challenge was to put on photovoltaics onto the roof so that it would pay, not only run the house, but produce more power than needed. And that excess power would go back to the grid and sort of offset the embodied carbon, a lot like our carbon zero series, and <laughs> <laughs> uh, but do it by 2050, which is the time when we're all supposed to be net, you know, net zero by 2050. And, uh, in that process, we found that seven stars was the low bar. None of none of the designs were anywhere near seven stars. And uh, and it just got a lot of feedback from the designers that that was a really useful process. So, yes, those are the two things for the designers. For the assessors, assessors, I think, need to start seeing themselves as consultants and not seeing themselves as just certifiers because... Um, I think if you're seeing yourself as a certifier, you know, in a few years time, you're going to get left behind because if you're not a consultant, those assessors who become consultants, of course, they're going to be the one who also certifies at the end. You know, they're going to take over your business. So you all better get out there and start learning how to do optimization um, of designs and to give that feedback. And if you don't know how to do that, Um, And a lot of assessors won't necessarily have much experience doing that because they've just been doing certifications and, and quick turnover work uh, join design matters national. We've <laughs> already got, uh, a, an optimization course uh, for you. In fact, all members get the optimization course for free and, uh, and designers get the the working with whole of home free and what sort of information to put on plans and where to get it from. So they can find out that bit. We, we were actually pushing really hard because in Victoria, we thought that, uh, October was going to be it and we had to have our members uh, upskilled. So, um, uh, any Design Matters National members who haven't seen it, we've got free training. Yeah, the, You don't have, to, don't have to pay anything for this one, so get on board with that. Yeah, it's um, fantastic,
0: actually. It's one of the organisations that has been trying to educate industry compared to a lot of other industry organisations that have just been sort of quite scared. I know as, as an architect now, our CPD includes, we have to do a compulsory. Um, previously, we've just had to do 10 formal hours and 10 informal hours. Now we have to do... Um, uh we've got those 10 formal hours but we have to spend uh specific chunks of that on specific subject matter and one of it is on the national construction code another one's on designing with country so um and so yeah it's quite interesting to see how the institute of architects is shaping how how we have to educate ourselves about these things but obviously yeah builders don't don't have the same i think um it's not being done as much uh, in the building industry. So I think it's been really interesting watching home method members navigate this with bringing on their energy assessor early and just how much it empowers them to make decisions about things because when they wrap their heads around the fact that it's yes, it's an extra consultant and it's an extra fee, but all of a sudden it's this it's this really great intel into decisions that they're making to the point where they start to see. I've had members be able to move their star rating by three and a half, four stars from when it was first designed to you know, where just by making tweaks and changes that didn't compromise the feeling or functionality of the home, but because they're in the design phase and they weren't wedded or completely emotionally moved into the place, it was, it was a lot easier to incorporate right through to, I'm trying to decide whether to have a dark roof or a light roof. I live in a cold climate. It's, you know, it's like, well, you know, we have training in there that shows them that, A dark dark roof might be the right choice, but you'll actually set, if you look at the modelling, you'll see what the cost of a dark roof is going to be to you, even in a cold climate in those warmer months. And then you can make a call about whether that's going to matter to you. And if you're in a suburban area and is that ambient heat going to be problematic or if you're a more regional area where it can be mitigated because you've got lots of landscaping around you and those kinds of things. So it's really, I love seeing how when homeowners have access to that data it makes the design process feel a lot more certain, you know, it doesn't, doesn't feel like they're kind of guesstimating at what the outcome's going to be. They've actually got the ability to see through the modeling tool what, um, and then once it is that thing, once it's modeled, you can actually, you know, when you're working with a good energy assessor, they can do that swap and change of, okay, well, we want to, Change that window to this, and we want we want to double glaze that side of the house, but not that side, you know. And you can all of a sudden very quickly see what difference it makes, and it's it's just really powerful when you're trying to kind of navigate a lot of decision making through your through the design process.
1: Yeah, indeed, indeed, you're speaking my uh, speak my language there, hundred <laughs> percent. I I should just finish before you ask uh, any other questions. The, the last professional is the builder uh, in in this um, setup, and. As we change to potentially a higher performance uh, rating, it does involve risks for the builder um, because if if you're the builder and you're now promising the the owner um, a net zero home, or the owner's gone and got a design and and the assessor says it's going to be you know what ten star or, or whatever it's going to be, and the the designer says yes, you should be producing more power than you use, uh, if it, your home ends up being cold and uh, and Energy hungry, uh, it's probably the builder that they're going to point at first, <laughs> from my experience. And so, what I'm suggesting that builders need to do, you don't need to, do, you don't need to be worried uh, about this, but just as a as a strategy to cover your risk, uh, I would be suggesting that builders do a couple of things. Uh, first of all, um, uh, and I've been going through Builders Declare and uh, and Design Matters National to come up with a thermal performance checklist. I'm quite happy to share that. And I'm happy to share it with you, Amelia, and and your people. That'd be fantastic. Um, Thank you. But but this is a checklist uh, and and builders are very au fait with quality assurance checklists and using them. And it's simply at each stage of construction what they should be thinking about with standard construction, um, just to pick up little, little points where buildings can fail just to make sure things are done. And these are not extra things above and beyond code or anything, it's simply little things that make a difference things like you know before the cabinetry goes in where you've got plumbing pipes penetrating through plaster that they should have a bit of corking around them so that they are you know that they're sealed at that point just i mean small things like that all the way through the uh through the build so one that makes sure that you've got a system for a consistent product that you're putting out but two if you're going through and ticking it you've got a bit of um bit of evidence that you've done done that work the other thing that i would be suggesting that builders do is pick up um a thermal imaging camera you'll be just amazed and 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 uh your listeners as well um homeowners should do this as well you'll be amazed at the quick change in quality of work if uh if uh, when when i gave this to my thermal to my project manager it's just a little camera goes a little bit in fact that goes on my iphone and goes on the ipad and all he needs to do is when a new trade comes in is show them this nifty gadget that he's got where he can see behind the plaster and also explain that we're probably going to be getting a blower door test and we're we're interested in thermal efficiency that's it the 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 Contractor can put two and two together at this stage and knows oh, this is a builder who's not just interested in the, the shine on the bench top at the end. This is a builder who's interested also in the thermal performance. And not only that, he can see behind things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: and so that makes that makes a huge difference. Uh, and the and I mentioned blower door tests. I'd be suggesting that builders get a blower door test. Doesn't matter if you're going for the passive house or not you need to know or to be able to show that your homes at least comply with the Nathurs assumption of 10 air changes, which is really high. You want to be above 10 air changes and and ideally not too much below five air changes, just sort of sitting in that sweet spot for standard construction to still pick up most of the benefits of a reasonably tight home.
0: Yeah, so the 10 air changes per hour is what Nathurs assumes in its modelling to achieve the star rating and the energy efficiency ratings and then i i recall you saying that when we what the national construction codes brought in that if it's five under five air changes per hour then you need mechanical recovery ventilation it's actually too tight to just rely on
1: yes they haven't quite brought it in they've um, brought it in under a performance pathway so if you're doing deemed to satisfy no it doesn't mention it there. But if you're um, doing a, a performance solution, which most of you, well, some of your clients may very well be getting to performance solutions, then you have to show that whatever you've done is tight, but not too tight. And uh, the 10 air changes per hour is just a rough figure for that as it actually does depend on what the assessor inputs into your building as far as gaps and cracks and uh, extraction fans and um, that sort of thing. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. Okay. And that's it for part two of my conversation with Jeremy. So I do hope that you found that super helpful. You know, I do, I think that's one to save and to work through methodically in your own project and to share with your team who also might be upskilling themselves on the whole of home house ratings as well. Working collaboratively together is really going to be key to you using modelling information to inform your design and then also to help streamline the process of achieving your seven star home rating. And if you'd like to see visuals of those pie charts that Jeremy was describing in this episode, make sure you check out the post and the transcript for this episode. I've popped them in there as well. In the next episode, we're going to talk about how the size of your home may impact your star rating and what to know in this regard. And we're also going to look at related changes in the code regarding thermal bridging, under slab, insulation and also ventilation and Jeremy's got some really exciting news to share with us about the new venture that he and the founding members of Builders Declare have been working on and also what's happening with Design Matters True Zero Carbon Challenge as well. Now a few reminders for you before I finish up remember if you'd like to grab a transcript of this episode plus all of the links that I share and that image of the pie charts you can find all of that by heading to www.undercoverarchitect.com Forward slash two hundred and ninety four, that's the numbers two nine four. Now, if you are a gorgeous professional who is really passionate about helping homeowners and you feel like you're like minded with the Undercover Architect way of talking about things and really supporting and empowering homeowners, I would love to hear from you and I'd love for you to look at joining the UA Army. It's free to join. You just need to head to www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash army, that's A R M Y. I've got more information for you there. It's for anyone who helps. In in any capacity in uh, for homeowners, uh, helps them design, build or renovate their home. So you might be an architect, a building designer, a builder, a interior designer, a specialist consultant, a supplier, you know, a subcontractor, anyone like that, please just uh, go and check out that link and, uh, and go through the process of letting me know more about you. And of course, if you're a homeowner listening to this and you would love to feel uh, like you have access to more structured help and guidance for your project, you want to feel more confident and in control, you want to know what you need to know, know the questions to ask and be able to really navigate your project in a much more uh, you know, confident and empowered way, then Home Method is going to be perfect for you. So make sure you check it out. There's also of course the online community where you can see what others are experiencing their projects and it's the only place that you can access my personalised support and feedback on your project as you're navigating it. I run regular Q&A sessions, give feedback on designs, all those kinds of things. You can find that at uh, www.homemethod.com.au and also just heading straight to the Undercover Architect website, Uh, the link is there in the menu. Make sure that you come back for the next episode where I'll be sharing part three of my conversation with Jeremy. As always, thank you for tuning in and for letting me be your secret ally. Until next time, bye. Just a reminder, all content on this podcast is provided by Undercover Architect for reference purposes and as general guidance. It does not take into account specific circumstances and should not be relied on in that way. You should seek independent verification or advice before relying on this content in any circumstances, including but not limited to circumstances where loss and damage may result. The views and opinions of any guests on the podcast are solely their own and may not reflect the views of Undercover Architect. Undercover Architect endeavours to publish content that is accurate at the time it is published, but does not accept responsibility for content that may or has become inaccurate over time.